on this episode. And when he would come home, I would go into their house while they're... And it's also scary because truckers, you don't know when they're going to sleep. So I would watch and see yeah, when point. TV would go off and stuff like that. So you would literally stalk them? Yes, because I had nothing to do all day. But Stake cr- them out. Crouch in a tree like Batman. And- <laughs> <laughs> everybody and welcome to another episode of no country for middle-aged men i am your host mark pearson and this is my temporarily sober co-host adam radliff <laughs> look you have one bottle of tequila with a buddy and then all of a sudden you're no longer sober <laughs> that was by far the drunkest episode uh, you said yet. the same thing probably like three or four times are you sober right now as a church mouse really yeah. no i mean as a as a practice right now you're taking some time off <laughs> Or are you just sober? Like Steve, right let's now? not be ridiculous. <laughs> I'm 35 years old and I'm not a quitter. Um, stick it's high. been a year, though. If it's going to get up on you, it's going to get up on you this year. Oh, no, I'm not. I don't, look, don't get me wrong. People listening, the, the three of you, uh, I do not have a drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And but, yes, this other voice here is uh, our guest comedian, Steve Cantwell. Yep. He's very, <laughs> he very much fits, fits in with the, you know, the look here that Adam and I have going on. The theme. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I was telling these two uh, early, a second ago that if Cantwell and I are at the same venue at the same time where we're both going on stage, there is a solid 80 to 90% chance that somebody's going to come up to me and say, hey, man, I really like this joke. Da, 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 da. I'm like, oh, awesome. He's like, you were really funny. Like that's that's fantastic. Like yeah, that that part where you were talking about throwing a cat into the fire. Or like I'm like wait wait, that's Steve Cantwell's joke. <laughs> now for people listening, he is several years older than me. Um, twenty something. Twenty almost twenty years older. We look somewhat alike, mm-hmm. and we're both kind of monotone. But I don't know. If like look, first thing my first reaction was like we look nothing alike. I can't believe they're confusing me. And then. <laughs> I started thinking about it. I should be more upset that they always remember your jokes <laughs> and they're never come up to me saying that they like my jokes. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I should be really upset about. Yeah. But uh, that's we, the life I live in. We can make a fortune in porn. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, yeah. we were just talking about that. <laughs> if we could get past the, if we could get drunk enough to get past the original creep, the initial creep out. Uh-huh. I think you and I could just, Clean it up in father-son porn. <laughs> right. Father-son with some kind of a stepmother involved? Yeah. Or is this Time really weird porn. stuff? <laughs> yeah. There's not a big market for porn these days, is there, guys? During this year, I think there has been. In every year. Yeah. OnlyFans. Yeah. You and I could just kill it on OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only problem is we'd have to have some kind of lighting system. Camera operator. That's not the big hurdle. The big yeah. hurdle is we have to fuck each other. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I you said the hurdle. The cameras and the lights will work themselves out, but I think the insurmountable barrier to entry here is neither of us happen to be gay. Yeah. You know? Insurmountable. I don't mean how much money we talking about here. 
<laughs> I, I mean, it's been that kind of year. I would, I would entertain all offers for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just fucking had to see it. Yeah. <laughs> OnlyFans, I've looked nothing into the model and how it makes money. Mm-hmm. I don't look. I've never gotten like people who watch like voyeuristic stuff mm-hmm. where they had to be able to interact with the cam girls because cam girls were OnlyFans before OnlyFans, right. right? Yeah. I've never ever gotten that. Clearly, there's enough people who are. That's a big part of it for them. Yeah. To make it a, a thing. profitable industry. But that's the only uh, honorable kind of porn is when a girl or a guy puts their own shit out there, decides what they're going to do, keeps all the money. Calm down, Chappelle. <laughs> Don't get over, here, get over here. Like they, everyone's getting screwed over with their contracts. Everyone is, dude. I walked. Of away course, from they a are. Deal. They're porn stars. I walked away from a deal this this year because just like that, the one that Chappelle warns about, and it's real. There's people out there trying to steal souls out there. Yeah, for sure. For not much money, you know. I don't. Are know we what, still talking about porn and OnlyFans? I think it's the fame. <laughs> yeah. Fucking entertainment is entertainment. So how do you solve that equation? So obviously the entertainment industry, they're trying to get as much as they can for as little as they can. Do you think that if enough people were willing to walk away, that they would start paying better? Or they would just be like, all right, screw it. We're just going to go with like YouTubers who just don't give a shit. Well, what, what's happening is artists are, j- because of the, the barrier to entry is so low, you can have a laptop and, and mm-hmm. a few hundred dollars worth of shit, and you can put on your own TV show, and no one's to stop you, and if it's fucking fantastic, the world will beat a path to your door. Joe Rogan, yeah. you know, started in a, in, a, in a room at the comedy store, and now, you know, Spotify bought him for $100 million, and he still has control of, the, uh, of his uh, shit, so the sky is literally the limit. And for the first time in history, we don't need them. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in, in a lot of ways, they get in the fucking way with their ideas and their, you know, they want to be art. All those people are frustrated artists and they yeah. wish that they had a story to tell. Right. And they wish that they could speak in such a way that people wanted to listen. And it kills them that they don't. And so they want to, like a parasite, own your shit. Mm-hmm. And 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 li- and they don't just like they don't if if they just wanted to simply license my story to be told in a documentary. My ter- attorney and I were very prepared. We sent them numerous documents that mm-hmm. that that that, uh, that said exactly that. But they don't want that. Their first draft wanted to own my stories in perpetuity, which means that I no longer own them. I had to ask their permission if I wanted to do a podcast or appear anywhere except for live on stage. And uh, and then the next draft, the, the lowest that we could ever talk them down into, is okay. We both own your stories, and you know, so we have the right to license. You know this documentary. If somebody wants to make a make a musical uh-huh. out of the life of Steve Cantwell, they can either go to Steve Cantwell and get the licensing, or they can just make a musical version of our documentary and sidestep having oh. to ever deal with me again. So we were like, no, don't you see the obvious reasons that I don't want to bid against you for the rest of my life for enough money to buy a pickup truck? Yeah. You know, so is it a nice pickup truck? I mean, what's a nice pickup? No, no, it's not, <laughs> it's not like one of those hundred thousand dollar pickup trucks. I mean, like a Ford F one fifty kind of money is 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 the kind of money we were talking. And well, uh, Ford is the best in Texas, as, just, a, as the just, commercials have told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's just not worth. I guess you know, if it was got, Chevy money, if might it, reconsider it. 
I did. We did. I'm, come, st- I'm just hammering this for, this truck. We did tell them a number mm-hmm. of what we would be willing to, you know, sell our souls for, mm-hmm. and they were not willing to pay that. Yeah, fucking. But it was many, suits. many, many times. Yes, yes. Do you, why do you think they do that? Is it because they? Like, I feel like that because when I heard the whole Chappelle thing, I had a couple of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like, because I didn't, I don't know anything about the details of the. Like, they own your ass. You can't do any of this. And I was like, uh, a couple of thoughts were, why do they do this? Number one, and is it? I was like, is it because they're getting they're losing so much on so many people that they had to make up for it by screwing somebody who ends up being successful? No, it's corporate culture. Mm-hmm. It's they they are going to they get assigned to come talk to you in some boardroom and they're gonna they get sent out to negotiate with you and when they return they're basically judged on how much of your blood they were able to suck. Mm-hmm. And so for them to get the attaboy and to climb that corporate ladder, because they don't get to keep any of the goddamn money. Right, because the it, company. Yeah. But for them to climb that corporate ladder and be known as a fucking baller in their in their company, they got to go out there and basically see how many souls they can collect for the devil. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what it's about. It's a game for them. They don't give a fuck. They don't get to keep, it's not their money. They don't get to keep their money. They're never going to see you again. You and know. how often are they able to make money off of that, though? Because like if you the, so for the, every Chappelle in the world, there's like ten thousand people who people are like, yeah, you couldn't pay me to watch this person's thing or whatever. Yeah, I guess you can like sell it to like the net, you can sell it to like like collections of things or yeah, or do or you you can sell it off to Amazon you could, and HBO Max. Actually, mm-hmm. it could just be. If you think about it, they could just be doing it for content, like of just like ideas. Yeah. To where if they ever wanted to create a story, like on a whether it's a, in a show that they produce, or right. something, it's just like, oh, this is a storyline. Yeah, actually, you, know, you put it that way, that's a, actually a pretty smart move on their part. Because if if you didn't give it to them, then you come back like, whoa, 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 we tell we like we told the story, and then you use my stuff, and they're like, yeah, we own you. So yeah. what are you going to do? I mean. Sure, it makes mon- it makes sense financially for one of the parties, right. but it doesn't really make sense. It's like sharecropping, you know. Yeah. If you're the guy that owns the plantation, hey, sharing is in this the deal word. Writes itself. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and if you've got, yeah, that you call it sharecropping because you want it to sound like fair, you know, like yeah. something that would be fair, but it's the furthest thing from fair. Yeah. Just like the fucking this, when all of the power exists resides on one of the the two sides, just the de- everything gets lopsided, but hopefully with uh youtube thank god for youtube and spotify and just podcasts yeah. and stuff like that well that's another thing that needs to come into like with you that's why my dad is on this kick like you can get youtube famous and youtube rich there's these kids doing the stuff out of their basement da, 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 da. like yeah it's possible but here's my thing so youtube is got to be one of the most profitable companies in the right. world i get you have to pay for servers and you have to pay for people to take down stuff whenever it gets flagged. It's owned by but ninety percent—is it Google? Yeah, it's owned by Google. Yeah, that makes sense. But um, like you have the content created for you, right? You get millions upon millions of of adver- like advertisers. They're probably lining up to put their ads on YouTube videos because they're getting millions of views. You can't pay for that on t- regular TV. No, so. I mean, I don't, I've never looked into the equity, like how equitable the share is for YouTube. Uh, uh, 
creators, mm-hmm. but I've always heard that they're constantly getting screwed. No. But uh, you get one hundred and fifty thousand views, and that's about ten thousand bucks. What? Yeah. What if you had five thousand subscribers? How quickly could you get to a hundred thousand views? It would be first off. I'm changing my whole life. I'm quitting my job tomorrow. <laughs> if you Is had it- five thousand subscribers, you could. Pr- it would probably pay fifty grand a year, sixty grand a year. I've I've done too many things wrong with my life. <laughs> so that's a. I just, it's everyone says this. It just sounds so unbelievable. Like, how do you get, so how do you cut through the noise to where you're getting like your video to even be seen by somebody? You got to go on other people's podcasts that are already getting that kind of viewership and plug your podcast. You got to go set the world on fire on, you know, the honeydew or something like that, Mm -hmm. and then promote your podcast. And then people that hear that and like your shit, then go and promote, you know. So how did that go, by the way? Which thing? How do you do the 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 well the crab feast was the oh, thing right. that I was on and that ended but that was like a classic probably the classic of all time comedy storytelling show mm-hmm. and is uh and, but I was just happened to get discovered on that show for the last year mm-hmm. that it was a thing and then it went away but I've still stayed friends with those guys and I've stayed gotten to become friends with a lot of the really good comics that were on that just because. Um, fans mention us in in um tweets and shit together so we've kind of gotten to know each other a little bit online and i've been able to like you know those guys have been nice to me so uh that's i think that's the model i'm gonna follow i'm gonna start a podcast in this van that i've been building and i'm gonna drive around the country i'm gonna start in louisiana where my family emigrated during the 1800s and i'm gonna dra- basically drive the route to utah that they pushed hand carts mm-hmm. and interview comedians along the way and take them camping so i'll roll up at you know a comics house take them camping out in the woods build mm-hmm. a bonfire tell the story around the fire and then uh you know just do a bunch of b-roll stuff of camping with comedians but um and so that's gonna listen be to like, him with his industry talk like b-roll stuff and all the, <laughs> talking oh, about yeah. contracts like, i didn't realize he was this he's like this guy's uh, going to be some kind of a big TV big shot these days. I'm never going to be a producer. Never, never. So what is it? I don't even know what a producer does. Dickless vampires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, it's just the What's the point of living forever if you don't have a dick? I mean, that sounds miserably, miserable if you're a dickless vampire. Can you come from butt stuff? <laughs> Girls can, but can guys? Scholars maintain. Uh, I have no idea. That's, uh, there's only one way to find out. We'll talk about it later. Um, yeah, that's how you two could start out your OnlyFans. Yeah. Discovery. Just for, for science. For, it's, yeah. Somebody's got to find out. <laughs> Nobody else knows. could have done this research already. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned uh, family started in Louisiana. Yeah. So where'd y'all, where is your ancestry from? Ireland. Really? Mm-hmm. I would have guessed Scandinavian. Nope. Nope. Well, I guess Cantwell. Never mind. That makes more sense. Joined the Mormon Church in like the 1850s. Mm. And in 1856, uh, jumped on a sailboat uh, in Liverpool and, and, and sailed all the way through the Gulf of Mexico. Got hit by a hurricane when they're in the Gulf of Mexico. Back then, they had no forecasting. So we just yeah. like, oh, bad luck for you. You got smacked by a hurricane. Got shipwrecked. 
That didn't give these Mormons a, a sign like that maybe we're fucking up here. No. Oh my God. <laughs> They're trying to about, shipwreck us instantly. Everything about their story is just fraught with goddamn disaster. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a shit storm. Well, then again, then. so are the Jews. Yeah. So maybe oh, well, were, well, I can't say we had it as bad as the Jews, but it was. Uh, what had the Jews bad. ever had to go through that was that bad? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we did if we were ever monetized, that. we've been demonetized now. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Jews is the gold standard for persecution. You know, you're. I'd say the diamond standard, but either one will work. Yeah. <laughs> so the, you, you shipwrecked go, in, yeah, shipwrecked in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, got rescued after a couple of weeks. Got towed back into their their boat had gotten demasted, and so they got towed by a paddle steamer back into Louisiana. Family all survived. They're running late, so they quickly build a what's called a hand cart, which is just basically a big push cart that all of you put all your world belongings in this one push cart, and then the whole family pushes this push cart just fucking through the trees out into the where there's no trail, nobody's ever been before, don't have a gun, so you have it. We build a stone axe, and you and your kids wielding stone axes just push your way into Indian territory. Oh my god! To what had was Salt Lake, but Salt Lake was just basically a camp at this point. Yeah. And you're not even allowed to drink while you're doing all this excruciating work. Yeah. Ugh. Or swear. Or fuck. Or masturbate. Or, you know, anything. Then why are they so happy all the time? It's a fucking mystery. <laughs> is, it, is it like, I guess, cult mentality? I was very happy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Maybe the, the Mormons are the right one. Maybe they got to... Whether it's like... They're the end of the road, whether they're right after you die, if they're right. Who Probably cares? not. Yeah. It's a pretty far fetched story. They do seem to be a happier group than the average. So are the Amish, in my experience. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if I could take anecdotal. A pill and, and believe again, I would take that pill. Probably. Depends on the day you ask me. But yeah. Once you've broken from, from the belief system. It's expensive. Yeah, it's hard to realize. Because, I, you know, I thought that I had magic powers my entire life. Hey. Until I was 40. You do have magic powers. Yeah. Power to make people laugh. Where are they? Yeah. <laughs> that might be the only kind of magic that I still believe in. Because there is something that happens when you're on stage that verges on a kind of group telepathy mm-hmm. that is just... I've never seen that before in any kind of performing art before with, with stand-up comedy, you know, when you can feel the, how you, how you can feel if something's going over, you kind of feel if you've lost them or something like that. That's telepathy, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's just, that's, that's a form of magic mm-hmm. making, you know, to, to kind of steal a quote from Joe Rogan, essentially, you know, with nothing more than me making sounds with my mouth, I'm going to make a whole bunch of people have convulsions, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's magic. But when I was Mormon, I thought I was like some kind of a Mormon wizard. I thought I carried magic oil in a vial on my key ring, and I wore magic underwear, and everything was just magic, magic, magic. Turns out I was just deluding myself. I thought that I had the whole fucking world figured out. Mm-hmm. If you'd have asked me when I was 30, the answer to any question, I could have ciphered it out using the Book of Mormon and the Bible and, you know, praying about it you know there was no answer 
no matter how complex or nuanced that I couldn't answer. Just from the hubris of being 30 and also just from the fact that I had my head so far up my ass that you probably couldn't even see my neck. Just <laughs> There was nothing doubting in me that the Mormon church was true. And then to be 40 and realize that that's not the case. In fact, I know nothing and I've known nothing. It's like looking back over a chasm when you're walking over a tightrope and you thought there was a safety net below mm-hmm. you and then you get to the other side and you look and, oh, that was an optical illusion. There was no safety net. You know, it's just the crazy fucking things that I would have never attempted have attempted before, you know, had I known that there was no God and I was not being watched out for, you know? You take crazy chances because you think... You're showing faith, and you're showing God that you believe in Him. Isn't that one of the few, like not one of the few? I mean, there are benefits of uh, organized religion. Uh, like what? Think about it. So it's thinking that if you're a good person, or you're not going to heaven if you're not a good person. So a lot of people who believe it are going to be better people than they probably would have been if they hadn't. And they're like, okay, I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to. I'm not going to kill anybody. I'm not going to try to have, like you know fuck my neighbor's wife because it's in the Ten Commandments. I've known a, I've known too many really moral atheists and too many really funky Mormons. Yeah, but that's in, tw- in that's that. in twenty. Uh, that's in the nineteenth, twenty first, twentieth, twenty first. I don't know what twentieth and twenty first century. <laughs> Could human nature be that different? It's not that different in any other category. Yeah, I would just say like the times that there have been. No religion, you've yeah. seen some pretty fucked up stuff. Like, when, where, like, in Russia, it's like, look, religion's out. China, like, religion's out. Like, uh, a lot of, like, um, you know, a lot of Africa that's just warlords and, and yeah. just human sacrifice is common, different religions. Cannibalism. Cannibalism. Not to say that the Old Testament's. Uh, devoid of all that right. stuff. I mean, the Crusades. I mean, just oh, the, sure. uh, just the, the Spanish Inquisition at times that we would go in and torture people to death for being witches. Mm-hmm. You know, or just. But were they witches though? And go into it into South America and kill everyone who wouldn't swear allegiance to the Jesus. You oh, know, yeah. it's just we've done terrible fucking things in the name of religion. Uh-huh. Probably way more than we than things that we've done good. I don't know, dude. I'm jaded. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> what was it that had you like this? Like uh, this is the breaking point like i'm out i was on a salvia trip and i and i uh had time i was on a salvia trip that lasted 45 seconds but it felt to me like it lasted eight years and i was in tyler texas you don't know this story yeah we've talked about it right before yeah But, uh, so just being in Tyler and not knowing any Mormons and just me kind of freaking out about how I knew so much about that to me was how I would prove to people in Tyler that I wasn't making it up, that I really lived in Alaska and that I was Mormon is because I was like, ask me anything about the Mormon church. And we would play this game of just Mormon trivia Mm -hmm. and I knew Mm -hmm. fucking everything. And so that got me thinking, well, how do I know everything? And then on the looking on the internet, you just start seeing stuff that you never would have Googled if you were a good Mormon because they tell you not to, but nobody was looking over my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And so I would just Google shit about the Mormon church and just read, 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 and listen to podcasts and just, you know, think things that I probably would have not had the courage to think if I weren't completely alone you know Mm -hmm. and so just gradually over the course of those eight years convinced myself beyond doubt that probably there was no god but for sure there was no mormon god 
<laughs> and uh, so I walked into my friend's gun room before I did that salvia trip as a Mormon preacher mm-hmm. and came out 45 seconds later having shit my pants, but being an atheist, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so dirty old atheist yeah. on Christmas. This is on Christmas day. I shit my pants in the neighbor's house. I had a seizure mm-hmm. and then came out of the basement crying, you know, because I felt like I hadn't seen my family in eight years. And I, I thought that I had mad, had imagined them for a good portion of that. And so basically the neighbor, that was the last we, we hung out with the neighbors really. <laughs> they didn't invite you back the next Christmas. No. no. <laughs> like, yeah, Steve, we're canceling our New Year's Eve party. Uh, just don't drive by that day. <laughs> well, I almost immediately moved to Hawaii uh, after coming. I, I came out of there and I told my ex wife, I was like, we're not going to be Mormon anymore. And she's like, fine. You know, <laughs> she was on board instantly. Was, yeah, instantly on board, wow. which is weird. But, <laughs> but she, I guess, had been secretly drinking wine out of a Nalgene bottle during church for years, and I had no idea. And Out of I, a what bottle? And now just a water bottle, you know. Gotcha. And uh, so it was just a million things that made me not be Mormon, but I, I learned it all on a salvia trip. And then when I came, I didn't even raise a red flag with the Mormons. I just was fucking quiet, mm-hmm. sold my house for an all-cash deal, sold my business for an all-cash deal, and just bought a big boat on this, bought a big sailboat in Hawaii and moved my family there. Yeah, because they probably would have tried to like... Yeah. Keep you there, keep yeah. you in. It would have been all kinds of hand wringing and crying and praying over me and, you know, trying to get my family, because my entire family is Mormon, it has mm-hmm. been for seven generations. And they would have just been hand wringing and just arguments that I didn't want to have with family members and friends. So I, would mm-hmm. just, I just ghosted. We threw our, our phones in the garbage and got new phones in Hawaii and just fucking started over. Damn. So before we move on from that, just out of curiosity, like so, what do you think does happen when you die? First, I gotta say I I don't know. Right. Well, yeah. So nobody does. Yeah. So that what my guess is, <clears throat> mm-hmm. I think this is a simulation. You think that's one hundred percent numbers wise? It's just as likely. Well, the experience in Tyler was just as fucking real as this, and. Just it just as non supernatural and just as fucking normal and boring as real life. It was just like a different channel on the same TV set. Right. So this could for sure easily be that. If the human brain will do that, I'm Isn't smoking it? a little bit of sage. Yeah. Uh, we're not far. You know, the ch- the channels on the TV are not that far apart from each other. Apparently, that, that's what blows my mind about all the. You look at any kind of like these psychedelics or these all these things. Where you've heard just, it's impossible to ignore that there is something, there's so much of the brain that is not understood. Right. And um, so it's, the, there's definitely tons of possibilities. And, but <laughs> what I subscribe to, whether it's a Christian version or whatever, uh, I, there's definitely, I think it's like some kind of an energy that is for, it's forever. It's in, with infinite amount of possibilities. And there's tapping in and out of these things. But I feel like there's some kind of a. This but, won't be the. This won't be the end of it for sure. But like whether what that looks like, I have no idea. Here's the problem that I have with the theory of you know energy cannot be created or destroyed, so therefore we live forever. 
we see energy being created and destroyed all the fucking time. Where you know, where's the uh, where's the energy that went into the the broadcast of all those Cheers episodes that went out on you know that, that's traveling through space someplace, but it's not you know it's gone. It has nothing to do somewhere. with us. Is it consciously somewhere? I would say so. If it's well, it's like conscious. It's not like a brain. Like it's, if people stop thinking and then become inert and you know, be eaten by plants and so that their matter is used elsewhere. The fact that I wrote a beautiful poem might echo forever, but I'm gone. You I w- know, I've I ceased to believe. what happens when like a dog or a, um, like a, an, uh, an ape or something like that takes salvia or acid. Like what, what is their reaction to it? I wonder. Just, just thinking out loud. <laughs> My dog definitely do- trips. Because what if a dog took it and like all of a sudden was just like started talking? You're like, dear God, don't ever let him take it again. They'll take over. I, th- I think animals can take drugs, and I think that they can learn from them just like we can. I think animals can evolve. You know, d- uh, dogs and cats. They don't. You have ever seen them like eat plants and stuff like that? Oh yeah. Well, they don't have ma. They don't have. Is that they don't have an MAOI inhibitor, or they do have an MAOI inhibitor? But we have to, t- if we want to trip balls, if we want to take DMT, we have to basically synthesize the shit out of the DMT and make it so that we um, we can use it. Versus animals, they can just use it. So, so they're it, stoned out of their mind at all times. I think they're basically taking DMT when they go and eat grass and just ro- lay on their back and roll around on the grass. That's I think that's what they're fucking doing. I think hmm. they're tripping. So my buddy and I, uh, this is 20 years ago, probably at this point, we're talk- we were just joking around, fucking around. I'm like, what if like zombies is like the happiest state possible? Like They're just <laughs> in ecstasy at all times. 24-hour orgasm. Exactly. <laughs> and they're like, the only reason they're trying to eat people is just like, no, trust me, you guys want this. Yeah. So they're going to go find them and get them. Like, Let me set you free. Yeah. Go. <clears throat> I like, and I've had a lot of conversations with people before, like the matrix assimilation theory or just in the specific example of the matrix, plug me in. I don't want to live in freaking the real world. What are doing? That's probably this. If this is the simulation. It is. Then somebody needs to reset this shit. <laughs> Actually, we're, we're living better than There's 90% no of the world really or more. Stand- There's no way we're really stand-up comedians. There's no way we're really... Well, you're true about Adam not really being a stand-up guy. Oh. <laughs> but it just... Mark, you son of a bitch. <laughs> we live at a time that we've never known true hunger. Mm-hmm. We've never had to, like, you know, nobody we know has ever frozen to death, you know, because they couldn't afford coal to put in their goddamn stove. Right. You know, we're living a fucking lark of a life. Yeah. Infinite internet porn. Free internet. Free. Porn. Where the fuck? Who how is it, Where is that internet? If you told me even that when I was, it's uh, not banner ads. Old, that's horseshit. When you were 10. seventeen years old, <laughs> yes, I would have been like, "You're that's, fucking kidding me." Yeah, that's something to live for. I know guys. <laughs> I know guys that killed themselves that I probably could have talked into staying if I would have been able to explain to them how good pornography gets. <laughs> hey, that's what I'm saying. Like that's the cure. That I've I've half joking, but I've actually had this conversation multiple times. I think that the cure to the Middle East crisis is to just flood them with infinite amounts of porn and it. free 
super badass internet to where anyone and everyone has to have technology. So flood it with porn and flood it with technology. So that way people can see how, number one, life is not just a nonstop disaster, miserable, you have to feel shame all the time. You have to feel angry at somebody else all the time. There's other stuff out there. There's stuff you can learn. And then also, think how pent up those people are. No wonder they're constantly at war. They are all, they all are looking at free porn and they are all jacking off all they want. So why are they still so angry? I don't know, man. Why are are any of us so fucking angry? I'm not angry enough to kill anybody. Uh, If yet. (laughs) If your electricity been off for a few years, you might. Exactly. That's what what I'm saying. Like they're having to stand in line to get fucking flour. What if that's like a recruiting tool for them? Like, look, you come from a house that's never had electricity. You come to Al-Qaeda or ICE or whatever, and you're going to have AC. Mm-hmm. You're going to have three meals a day, and you're going to have all of the internet porn that you want. And like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be the guy who has to go blow myself up every once in a while. A lot of those people do get in those situations because of economic disparity. They want to be able to feed their family or, you know. Plus, if if you have like a cousin or a sister or family member that got blown up, you'd be pretty uh, pretty pissed off about it. I would assume. Yeah. Compared to the year that I have just had, I would rather have spent that year in a white collar prison if they had porn. And if I bet they fucking big do. caveat. I'm sure they do. Yeah, but that's how shitty my life is. That's how <laughs> that's how good the uh, you know. You're about to start your, your new podcast. It's gonna be great. You're gonna travel the world. I have to do so much tap dancing before I can do that. Well, tap dancing is fun for some people. I need to start a GoFundMe. Mm-hmm. I need to buy a bunch of fucking shit. I need to be able to finish my fucking van. I need to probably find a different job so that I can do it a hundred percent from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And you should be a recruiter. What? You should be a recruiter. That's what I. That's what I used to do before I got promoted. But like you're just I'm finding right. jobs for people, and you're literally just talking to people all day. You can hypothetically, and a lot of people do do it from literally anywhere that has an internet connection. Sign me up. Is your company hiring? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but there are like hundreds, or not hundreds, thousands of recruiting companies. Yeah. So yeah, there's like the big ones. I'll I'll send you some information tomorrow. It's like there's okay. tons of them. I'm looking, and all you have to be able to do is talk to people. I started COVID as soon as COVID ended. It was like a musical chairs game. I just so happened to have, uh, I, I Bo Hernandez got me a job mm-hmm. being the president of the of the the security division of this um, technology company that he was Lucy and I was like the president and there were no other employees it was just me i was the president of myself great title yeah great time and uh and then i got recruited from our competitor who brought me over just in the in about july or so mm-hmm. when this happened we thought covid was going to end anytime and it just has gotten progressively shittier just because we can't get certain parts from China and you know, the whole infrastructure thing is so just. So it's China's fault again. I'm hearing it's COVID's fault. Again, like I said, it's China's fault. (laughs) (laughs) So you moved to, uh, Hawaii. Yeah. Get a boat. Yeah. Seems pretty sweet. Mm -hmm. You're out freshly out of the Mormon religion. Yeah. So is your wife also, our ex-wife also like, 
completely drop all religious yep. things. Yep. How'd the kids take it? It was tough. There was some adjustment period. You know, we basically went. Did they like, no, we don't want to drink soda. They all did. Like, you know, because they were, they were, the two oldest ones were teenagers at the time. So, I mean, we went from having meetings every week about, you know, you know what's wrong to masturbate, you know, don't look at pornography kind of thing to, you know what, do what feels natural and, you know, keep your own counsel and just go, be, go, you're free. You mm. know, your boyfriend can sleep over the house if he wants to, you know. So it was, it's, it was, and we, we probably didn't tiptoe because we were so, we felt free too. We don't fuck. Yeah, make up for a lost time. We only fucked each other for tw- and We've been married for 21 years at this point. And so we lost our mind. We would, we just started having threesomes on this sailboat and just kind of exploring what it was to be alive. And to a certain extent, we neglected kind of much of the hand-holding that we should have done with mm-hmm. our kids to kind of get our kids out of this cult successfully. So there was some there was some adjustment period. Um, so you said that happened in your 40s? Yeah, when I was 40. See, my sailboat orgies were in my early 20s. I got it out of the way. There we moved go. on with the rest of my life. That's the right way to do it. I lived No, that never day. happened. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe nobody called me out for that. I was like, Are you kidding me? Never had a threesome in my life. Really? Yeah. Really? I feel like that's the default. Most people haven't. Am I wrong here? Am I well, more have than I think you would think. Probably. Which is that I think that's an an effect of being homeschooled is you're constantly finding out that more people have done X than you would have thought. Yeah. I bet there's probably similarities with like religions that are like super like uh, insulated. Mm-hmm. They like, think that you know there's only, but then they are Mormons. Are they more like the more of the world's fucked up, or are more of the world's good? And we just got to convert them to get be better. The world's fucked up because yeah, they have. Are they the religion that's got like only like a couple hundred thousand people are going to make it into heaven? No, Everyone that's, else that's Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, that's Jehovah's Witness. Gotcha, gotcha. But we, we would have, we, there were these three girls, these three 20-something girls that we would, they would all three come out with. I would fuck all four of them on, on, on a normal. And you've had a bad year? Go <laughs> fuck yourself. Are you kidding me? It's like I used up all my dopamine. Yeah. <laughs> I think ago. you might have. Yeah. So that was a hell of a year, I'm assuming, or years. I've only had sex with like 13 people, but like... A, probably nine of them were at the same time, you know? And none of them, I've never had a uh, one night stand. Yeah. It's, it's all just, there was always repeat or something. And, and one of them, even after my wife left me for the Eskimo guy, <laughs> uh, one of them stayed for 10 years. Damn. And, and, and just stayed on the Island for, for 10 years and dated me. So God, you never know. Never know how life is going to be. I know absolutely nothing about Eskimos other than the stereotypes, which, which is, is which igloos, true. seals, true. and wife thieves. Fuck the Eskimos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what? They're actually lovely. And that, and that, God damn it, Steve. I'm trying to be on your side here. Nobody wants to hate him more than I do, you know, but I actually like the guy that stole my wife from me oh. more than I do my ex-wife. Well, yeah, I would imagine there's a lot of animosity to get to that point for yeah. sure. Yeah. And you know, he could have been worse. He was, you know, he was nice to my kids. 
It's huge. Yeah, wasn't wasn't a creeper. Also huge. And, you know, was pretty patient with her. And he just... A decent guy. So, from uh, Hawaii, did you go to Alaska next? I started in Alaska. I've, I lived in Alaska twice. Once working for a you know, working at a radio station um, and got married to my then soon to be ex-wife. And the second time I went for witness protection. I was actually in witness protection for a a short period of time. So, uh, and then I went to Hawaii. This stems from your business partner? My business partner in Orlando, which is another place that I've lived. Who'd have thought that some... Crazy person would live in Florida. Oh, Wild. Mm, Florida? No. Yeah. Have you spent any time in Florida? Yes. Crazy people. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. I don't know. It's. I think it's the fact that I don't know. It's too much sunshine. Sun it fries their brains. Yeah. It's humid. It's the, the Florida man thing isn't just a trope. There's truth. It's to real. It. There's a lot of lightning strikes. It could be extra like electrons in the air make you act kind of crazy yeah. or something. But there is fucking something. Yeah. There's something odd about Florida. That's for so sure. many things happen to me in Florida. Yeah. What's the craziest thing that happened to you in Florida? <laughs> I mean, I got partnered up with a guy, a guy that was fucking killing people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was turned about, I was him like, in and had to run for my life. That's pretty crazy. Shit. I got fucking tied up and taken hostage in a robbery once. Oh, my goodness. There. Yeah. It's like a fucking episode of Dexter. Oh, dude. <laughs> I, there's, so are you still planning for your show to where you're eventually going to go up and meet with this guy? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to do it on my What if own. he has a shiv? They got to tie him up or something like that. Like Hannibal Lecter. I think something bad that... that, that, How are you going to take him camping? I'm not going to take him camping. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's licking his chops right now. He's like, okay, yeah, come come take me camping, bud. Yeah. Do you have any correspondence with him? No. But the the documentary, and I can say this now that they're not going to do it anymore, that... uh, I mean, they were talking to him, telling them him that they were with the Innocence Project and that they wanted to talk to him. That's fucked up. So they were gonna oh they gosh. they had so they have been interviewing him and corresponding with him in some way, I believe, and um, and then they were gonna see after they got all they needed from him whether or not he'd be willing to sit down with me, which I think he would. What the fuck's he got to lose? He's never getting out of prison. He's in a gladiator academy. He's in the Ross Correctional Facility. Which is, if you look it up on YouTube, the Ross Correctional Facility, several places have done documentaries about just what a goddamn mechanized hellhole that fucking place is. It's just like, they send you the, the worst of the worst there. It's like, uh, you, he, he's in a little cell 23 hours of the day, you know. So, no porn no, to be spoken of. I, I, you wonder the, the degree to which... He's aware of how much I talk about him on podcasts. You wonder about the degree to which he's like, has he seen my comedy? Has he, because do they have the internet on his planet? Is that? I assume they have some form. Do they? That I guess if you're in a cell for 24 or 23, 23 hours, hours a day, they probably the other hours probably exercise. Yeah. I know. So yeah, he seen. probably doesn't have internet. No. But but yet guards that work worse there than death. have cell phones and shit. So yeah. and those all have internet, and you know those must 
go astray sometimes and and people must get a hold of the internet and if somebody had put me in prison you know my old business partner if i had that existence i would think about him sometimes dear god you'd have to think about suicide all day every day 23 hours in a cell i don't know i could i think i would be okay with it what i'll be honest with you my brain would I would go crazy? I think you would. I, I would think, legit go crazy. I think to a certain point you would probably adjust. It would take some time. It'd be really difficult because I know it'd be hard for me. But I think probably after like an extended period of time, you'd probably just get used to it. If yeah, you could, if you could guarantee that I wasn't going to get raped all the time with your looks, you kidding me? Three hours a day, you're, getting, cell, raped you're not getting raped every shower. Yeah. <laughs> if I wasn't getting raped. <laughs> That's like the only him getting raped is the only entertainment he has. And if you gave me (laughs) unlimited pencil and paper, I could probably amuse myself for one human lifetime. I would love to see that manifesto. (laughs) If even if nobody ever got to read it but me, I think I could entertain myself, drawing little pictures, invent little games, writing long stories and stuff like that. I think that I, I I enjoy my own company. I could I could do it. If you gave me a fucking ukulele. I, you might be able to squeeze a little bit of rent money out of me, you know, <laughs> but I, I don't know. How long into having this pencil and paper until you drew your first uh, naked woman? Depends on if I 30 have. minutes? Five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Five minutes? It's on the margins of everything that I <laughs> own. Like if you saw what I doodle while I'm on the phone all day, it's just... You know, it's boobs and butts. Constantly. <laughs> Same thing since fourth grade. Hasn't gotten any better either. It's no, really, exact... it's not. <laughs> Same rudimentary shapes. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you prefer, Alaska or Hawaii? Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck, I don't know. Well, in Hawaii, I found comedy. And mm-hmm. so Hawaii, for me, will always be synonymous with comedy. And I also lived... On a sailboat, but I also knew what real sadness was. That's the saddest I was I was ever in was was Hawaii, you know. In Alaska, I was very happy, but I was living a miserable. I built my own house in the in the Alaskan winter, dressed up like a fucking spaceman, Jeez. you know, pounding all the nails, just like wind blowing in my face, and just uh, so I was physically miserable, but. Um, thought that I was being tested by a cruel god. And so just uh, got down with it. Yeah, that's another thing I've, I've often wondered. Like, there are some people that seem like their lives are pure hell. Yeah. But there's some of the happiest people. And then you'll see people living like in the lap of luxury and they're miserable. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Suffering makes, it brings something out in you that uh it refines you in some ways and it makes you um wise i don't know it's it, it burns all the bullshit off mm-hmm. you know really hard work in really horrible conditions for a really long time it it refines somebody and i think so and but if you have it too easy and you never get challenged and life is just handed to you you get soft and you get petty and you get gross to be around and mm-hmm. you just get into you get into bullshit to entertain yourself yeah. and you just end up fucking up your life almost out of boredom 
I feel like that's definitely you high side like Paris Hilton or you know something like that you know they have these crazy rich kids just go through crazy rebellious streaks and some are pieces of shit for their entire lives because life really never challenged them you know Mm -hmm. the thing about suffering because I've been through my fair share of like really hard times yeah I think and I've seen other people that are close to you go through it I think suffering can either make you or break you it just depends on how you approach it or what you let it do to you. Cause I know people you know, have gone through really hard times and they just like pushes them further down yeah. and they stay there, but it can, cause I've all the shit I've been through and you know, every few years it seemed to go through something new. I'm just like, okay, this is a new thing. I have to learn how to figure this out and overcome this. And for me, it's just, I have to choose to not get sucked into that negative vortex that you can sometimes get sucked into. And, but yeah. I always come out, I feel like, at least I feel like I always come out like a little bit better. Like you say, a little bit more refined. Yeah. Doesn't make life easy though. <laughs> no. It's for no advantage whatsoever. I don't have. A... I've been really lucky. Pretty lucky. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Not a whole lot of disaster. We're so freaking. Tempt in the gods here, but. Uh, yeah. Really it's, it's no fun to accumulate a bunch of stories. Because you have to live that, mm-hmm. you know, and it's really not fun while it's happening. Would you say that, like the so obviously all your comedies like based on your stories, they're based around the truth, based on, and I think a lot most comedy is based on some form of like suffering, even if it's like a micro versus like years. It's like an embarrassing story or like a sad moment with some humor in it. But do you think that the enjoyment you've gotten? out of doing stand-up about these stories has outweighed the pain of having to go through and create those stories? Uh, it's too early to say. And so far, no. But if I become famous or rich, then yes. <laughs> what do you think will change about your, your life if you, like I say, let's say they signed you up for a million dollar contract or $5 million contract or something that made it to where money was never going to be a concern ever again. Yeah. As long as you're not, you know, go off some kind of tangent, smoking salvia every day, multiple times a day. 2 million bucks is the number. 2 million bucks. So you get $2 million. That means you'll keep about 800,000, mm-hmm. which means that you can invest it reasonably and make about 50,000 bucks a year, which is enough you to live, live off, off of. of. Fuck yes. Yeah, Give for me sure. 50, yeah. Fuck yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you can go and, st- and do stand-up comedy, but it takes some of the desperation of, my God, what if I have an, a hole in my schedule mm-hmm. in July and I can't fill it? You'd just be like, you know, you've got enough money. It's like it would be like a universal basic income. It would just free you as an artist. It would just give you this basic... $50,000 a year that will adjust for, for inflation, and then you can just go and be as funny as you want to be. It really surprised me that Andrew Yang didn't get more of a, pu- a push just because of the universal basic income. Mm-hmm. He got like nothing. But uh, I haven't heard that bit. No, it's a, it's, it's a, a guy who's running for president. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He, his whole was thing was. No. <laughs> Universal basic income. No, he was on the debate stage and everything. He okay. Was, so he was like top. I didn't 10. watch a minute of politics. I have yeah. been news free for years. But yeah, that's his whole pitch is like give everyone thousand dollars a month, whether they need it or don't. Yeah. And then um you just saw it because the way he explained it, it made a lot of sense to me. And I'm like not the most uh give money out to everybody, but 
So like it solves like a lot of like the healthcare issues and downstream issues from having to live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. It would make people softer though. It would make us softer as people. For sure. Yeah. And if we are really ascribing to the, to the, if we're, if that's our theory that, that suffering makes you tough uh, and makes you happy. Maybe the Middle East is crushing it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think you can go too far, but yeah, there's, there's, I think there's probably a middle ground and middle. It's in the name. Middle ground, Middle East. But $1,000 a month, that would make the difference between podcast and no podcast. Yeah. If I, you know, my kids are all grown now, so the only money that I need is enough to, for myself. And if I don't have a, any, any time that I've ever wanted money, it is because there was a girl that I wanted that wanted money. Mm-hmm. And so just for my, if I chopped my dick off, I would give a fuck about money. You know? Or if you were gay, I think you would problem still. Solved. I think you would still want to be appealing to. The, but what if then you? What if you were the person to be desired? You could be like you could be, not even have to work at all. Being gay wouldn't make me desirable. Wow, well, I wouldn't you're solve a, a goddamn thing. <laughs> that would just make me reviled by another. You know, it would just make me sad about the guys that didn't want to fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I think the fact if I would just like switch, suddenly I have my troubles are over. My, I think that's so two million. That's what it would solve. Uh, two million. I, there is something to be said for just having enough money to try stuff. Because if you, that's the thing that I don't like about college is it puts you so underwater that there's a insane amount of pr- pressure yeah. to like. Well, I need to start working right now. I need to start making money to where I can start paying off all this stuff. That's why they do that to us. Yeah. It's yeah. like a it's, college used to be goddamn near free. If yeah. you're just going to a state college. Yeah. Uh, the reason that they, that they have this student debt thing is they're chaining you by the nipples to the wheel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're doing it. It's, they figured it out. They fucking got me. I'm finally about to pay mine off. The second that a president gets in, it's like, yeah, I want to give $5,000 with a student loan relief. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I literally am just about to pay it off. And even they they paused student loan payments like months ago, like in mm-hmm. I think April, March, or like very beginning. Because like, look, we don't need people to be paying this back whenever they may not have a job. Um, that's just more money we have to give out in in uh, subsidies. So they stopped it, and I didn't realize I missed it for one month. And I looked at my bank account. I was like, <laughs> I was like man, I'm crushing it this month. And I was like, oh wait, my student loans didn't come out. So I call them up because I thought it was a mistake. Like, oh no, that they're pausing it for because of COVID. And I was like, well, does that mean that, that I'll have this month, that much, that many less months to pay off whenever it re- resumes? It's like, no, just go back to what you had. It's tax on the end. Yeah, ex- exactly. So I was like, I was a f- an idiot. I was like, no, just put me back on. I was like, I mean, I'm still working. Like, I, I want this to be over. Could you have the job you have if you didn't have your college degree? Yes. Oh, wait, no, no, yeah, actually, yeah. There are people that, have, they're working in recruiting that I know of that didn't have a college degree. It's harder. I mean, that's the, that's the only thing a college degree is good for, in my opinion. They say that you learn different perspectives while you're on campus, all this like hippie feel good bullshit. That's just what people say to try to sell 
College. College. They sell you the sell, Spanish classes. Th- that's what they... Oh. <laughs> that's how it... That's what it is. Because that's... When I was in college, they were like, you need to take a foreign language class because it makes you a better overall warm-rounded person. Horseshit. No, because nobody's going and taking French. Yeah. Exactly. Somebody got their degree in French. Right. And like, no, now I had to force my livelihood on everyone else. But it, it, and also people have to excuse the fact that they, they bought into this system. So they had to be like, oh, well, I, I went for it. So I have to make yeah. excuses for what I was good for. College is a scam. Yeah. Scotty Peterson and I were talking about this last week is like absolute money grab scam. But, yeah. um, and for what I do, there are, like I guess if you have a high school education to where you learn like gr- gr- grammar, uh, Microsoft yeah, Word, Microsoft Word, right. yeah, like basic internet usage, yeah, you can e- easily, yes. if not do this job within a month, just as good as the average person. You may not be the gr- the greatest, right? But it's something that could easily be taught. Look, I never went to a day of college. But I started my own company when I was 16, and I successfully ran a very profitable commercial janitorial company for 20-plus years. And I'd, would a company value that more than they would a four-year degree, or would they rather have the four-year degree than the guy with 20 years running his own company? It depends on the, the position, Recruiting. Really. Recruiting? I mean, I, I can't speak for I can only speak anecdotally of what I know. Yeah, what do you think? Probably the degree, yeah, isn't which is a scam, crazy. Yeah. But that's what it, that's the only reason I went to college because my dad was kind of poo pooing college whenever I was he because he went to college, he went to SFA, but he saw this a big scam, so he didn't want to be overly negative. But he's just like, yeah, if you decide not to go to college, that's you go to you go to work. He said you may it may work out for you. He said, but or it may not. Or your yeah, wife so I was but, wife may leave you for an Eskimo. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But I saw college at, at, with relatively open eyes. I was like, look, there's a lot of jobs that, that that's a barrier to entry. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want, like, I want to at least be able to get all these different jobs. And every job I've gotten, I think, I, may, I don't know if it was, I'm pretty sure it, I mean, it might've been a requirement for this job, but it, it's clearly not in every case. Cause like I said, there's several people that are within the company that had, didn't have a degree. Because it makes no sense for it to be a requirement. But that's the thing with a ton of jobs. It's it's just a way to like thin not thin the herd of thin a potential candidate. It's like it's an elitism thing. It's like, yeah. oh, we were we're protecting these higher paying jobs and we can say, Oh, we can't pay you so much because you don't right. have a call. Sorry. Even though you're bringing in way more money for the company or you're way more yeah. profitable. I, like, I don't know what kind of sense it makes because it, it doesn't. No. But it, that's got, the, the system that we have for I got now. I interviewed for a job last year mm-hmm. and I had almost 20 years experience in the field. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, we would be more inclined to give you this job if you had a four-year degree. And oh, I was yeah. like, in, in what? They were like, oh, in anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. And I was like, yep. I, but I was like, and I even, I even said, I was like, I probably have more experience than any of the other candidates you're interviewing. And they go, oh, yeah, definitely. Just lie. I will say this as <laughs> say I went to Arizona State. Yeah, as somebody who's gotten hundreds of people hired in jobs, some of which needed degrees, some of which didn't. I certainly never checked. Yeah, somebody's uh, college degree. There are services that some companies utilize that do that, but in the and I'm talking, I've gotten people hired for jobs that were making one hundred seventy thousand dollars a year, and we didn't check. Yeah. Uh, so I think 
a lot of time. And like I said, I don't want to encourage anyone to uh, fudge on their resume. But if I was, I'm gonna, gonna try it. <laughs> Why not? Well, yeah, so, I'm well spoken. Yeah, what are they gonna do? You know, I can read and fucking write, and I yeah. can bullshit like nobody's business. So, what are they gonna do? Try to take the money back? Fuck no! I'll just go learn a whole bunch about Ohio State, and like, uh, <laughs> just I would, I would, uh, rec- if you are gonna go that route, which if anyone listening, I'm not recommending, but uh, but if you are gonna that route, I wouldn't go with a super well known college like Ohio State, even though because like University of Phoenix. Oh, well, then that's, there's no, yeah, no, yeah. but see. That's another thing is those on, online colleges. That's like, that's so uh, people within like looking, looking down their nose, people with, without degrees, the tier ab- above that is people looking down their nose, people with online degrees, which is also horse shit. Right. Cause like I went to, I went to a college at, at San Marcos uh, and these classes were no harder than the classes I took at a community college. Yeah. So I'm like, why, why is there this weird judgment of if you if you weren't on campus it doesn't count I'm like that makes no sense to me i'm just gonna say that i have a degree from byu in theology there you go there you go i know fucking Ooh. everything yeah you know yeah but theology but, that's minor in uh i would just go general business or business studies or marketing or something that's very yeah you're right you want to use it both yeah yeah you know what? I've always wanted to try my hand at being a doctor. <laughs> he goes from if theology lie, to a doctor. I mean, that's where the fucking money is. And yeah. you know, if I'm an allergist, how bad can I go wrong? <laughs> it, you could, you could totally. So I will say this, like I got a degree in marketing. Nothing. Anyone could ask me would be related to what I learned in school. This is like, I don't, I don't yeah. remember most of it because it didn't, it's not relevant to day to day work right. unless you work in marketing. Well, that's which nobody does. Yeah, that's a scam. It is 100% a scam. And the other crazy thing is, this is a fucking simulation, and that's probably the most boring part of the simulation. Yeah. <laughs> college was fun, though. And the only reason college was fun is because it was a relaxed time in your life to where. Depending on what your degree was, like we talked to Scotty, he sounded like he was in hell. Yeah, because uh, he was like a insane, like a chemical engineering mm-hmm. degree, so he's going crazy just trying to pass. This is an insanely hard degree. But I went with a marketing degree. All my classes, which I know everyone has different levels of. Oh, this was easy for me versus. But I don't consider myself above average intelligence wise. It was easy, but. It also costs a ton of money. Yeah. But I wasn't thinking about the money at the time. I was thinking about, hey, this is really relaxing. <laughs> My dad got a degree in theater. Oh, really? Got a master's degree in it and uh, became a Mark Twain impersonator who taught school on the side. But he, <laughs> so he got the most out of that degree. Yeah, but he uh, surprised me when I graduated. When I graduated high school, he and the the, the the head of the theater department at Utah State, where he had gone to college, offered me a full ride scholarship for theater. And so I had this moment where I where I could have chosen that I could have gotten a, I could have majored in theater and minored in education. And have the kind of job where I was just, I would work nine months of the year, basically 
making kids laugh. Mm-hmm. And the other three months of the year, I would be able to go and tour and do stand-up comedy. And my dad tried to explain all this to me because I was 18 and I owned a janitorial company and I'd made a few dollars in janitorial. I just fucking laughed in his face. <laughs> I laughed in his face and I just went and I was like, fuck you. I want nothing to do with school. You know, I want to go make fucking money because we never seem to have any money because Mark Twain impersonators and school teachers don't make a lot of money. Yeah. And in the Mormon religion, the wife can't work. So yeah. it's just, it was all on him and he had four sons. So the pressure was on. So growing up like that, I basically got the imp- impression that money was the cure-all. Yeah. You know, it seemed like the root of everything negative in our family was the fact that we didn't ever have any money, and I just foolishly thought that, that that would fix everything. So I just wanted to make money literally any way I could, and the easiest way was start a janitorial company. That's one thing that infuriates me about blue-collar work versus white-collar work is that people poo-poo blue-collar work, like, oh, those people, because they couldn't do any better, anything different. I'm like, that is such bullshit. You can some of the happiest people I knew. So I worked at Ferguson, which is a plumbing supply company. Oh yeah. So I would uh, uh, talk to plumbers every like every all day, every day. Yeah. They were some of the nicest, happiest people yeah. on the planet. Yeah. And I was on a date um, with a girl who was like a PhD, worked at some lab at one of the Baylor Medical or something like that. And we were talking, we actually ended up like, yeah, this is not going to be a thing, but we actually were still friends. Like, I like, I'll be, I friends on myself hard uh, often, but, um, so I, I like talking to her. We, so we went out afterwards and we were talking about, you know, have you been dating anybody? Been, and, uh, she said, yeah, not really. Da, da, da. Long story short, we started talking about like, well, what's your criteria for somebody? It's like, oh, well, he's got, at least got to have the, this degree. Da, 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 da. I'm like, so wait, you wouldn't t- date somebody that worked as a plumber? And I gave that example. She, no, we wouldn't have much in common. I'm like, the fuck do you mean you wouldn't have that much in common? You don't know this person. Right. Just what somebody what somebody does does not define them to it. And people who think that it does, it annoys me like crazy. Yeah, it drives me nuts. I know a lot of plumbers from my field of work. Mm-hmm. All of them make triple what I make, and yeah, I have they make job. hundreds, like at least a hundred thousand dollars a year. These guys like, make like, some of these guys make almost two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm sure. I was a janitor, was making a lot more than that. Yeah, you know, because I owned the janitorial In, company, and right? We cleaned a lot of big buildings, and mm-hmm. you know, and so, but I was a lowly goddamn position, and I used to hate the part when you would. I was very self conscious about the part of any kind of social interaction where you walk into a room and the first game that everybody plays is what do you do? Mm-hmm. And when it was my turn, you know, I'm not a dentist, you know, I'm a janitor when yeah. it comes down to it. And so I would just say I'm a janitor mm-hmm. and, uh, people treat you differently. Yeah. When you say that you're a janitor. It's bullshit. Yeah, it is. So I do this hypothetical question. I've asked a ton of people, but the whole point of the hypothetical is to try to get people to realize that what you do for a living is not that important. But it would be like if you were yet to completely forget about the rules of reality. Have I asked you this question before? Yeah. But basically, the long and short of it is like if you were God and you could change, flip the switch tomorrow to where everyone in the history of existence moving forward, everyone, there's no way to game it to where they're not. Everyone's 10% happier for their entire life. Every day they wake up is 10% better than the day they would have woken up in 
scenario number one, which is just normal reality. The only difference is that they don't get to pick what they do for a living. I asked that question to probably at this point over 100 people. And at least 80%, just guessing numbers, said no, they wouldn't flip that switch. Fucking communism. Don't they decide what you're going <laughs> to do in communism? But no, like that's the thing. I was like, that's, but the issue is you have to, because that's reality. So reality, you can't do that. You can't just flip a switch and every, you can guarantee everyone's going to be happier. But in this fake scenario, you can. But people, even giving all those uh, stipulations and explaining it to them, like, no, you're misunderstanding, they still will say, I would rather everyone in the world not be 10% happier because they couldn't pick their job. Yeah. That shows how much people care about that stupid, in my opinion, stupid thing. Does your does your work define your life? Yeah, it's crazy to me. But you know, ten percent of marriages, I would posit, would uh, be happier if they were arranged by your parents. Oh, that's been proven. That, yeah. Have we talked yeah. about that before? No, we haven't talked about that. Yes, yeah, so I read a, like uh, a study. I didn't read it. I, I can't remember. It might have been a YouTube video, <laughs> but no, I, it was a study. Cause actually, I learned this in college, but. Um, but it was it compared the ha- the average happiness, which that's another thing about reports, self-reporting on in, of any kind, surveys of any kind, or horseshit. But uh, we we learned this again this year with the election. Like, right. like, we thought that uh, Biden was going to win by a huge, 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 huge landslide, and ended up being not not super close, but thought closer than we thought. Very close. But so that just goes to show self-reporting is bullshit. Yeah. But. In this self-reporting, as I'm about to quote a study that's all self-reporting, but they compared the the happiness of couples that were arranged marriages, that were quote-unquote love at first sight, and people who dated, courted, and then fell in love and got married. Arranged marriages were the happiest. Yeah. And then it was like very, but it was really close all across the board, but they were the happiest and they lasted the longest. Every parent, like I, my kids are all, my oldest is married. I thought you were going to say arranged. <laughs> no, but I wish that I could arrange my kids' marriage. I think I could choose very, I see them more clearly than they see themselves, probably. And I, my parents saw me more clearly than I saw myself. I should have never chosen the only white girl in an Eskimo village that was just dumb to do. <laughs> it's the worst fucking reason ever to choose somebody. And god damn, what did I pay? <laughs> that costs that dumb mistake. Just it just echoes forever. Mm-hmm. Cause you got kids now and she's, you know, not fun with the kids, and it's just uh so you've created these children that are just beholden to this. I've met people who've had frustrating parents, put it lightly, that end up being really well-rounded, really cool people. People are resilient as fuck. Yeah. I say that as somebody who earlier said, I haven't gone through a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm constantly self, uh, what's it, contradictory. But I've had a lot of things. I mean, I've had a lifetime of therapy, and I still, uh, I'm not, I would not say that I'm a, I'm well adjusted from any of this shit. How can you be? Yeah. You lived like the craziest life. <laughs> yeah, 
Life's a piece of shit. For sure. <laughs> Why didn't they go with that on a Monty Python song? <laughs> <laughs> Not always look on the bright side. Yeah. Like, no, life sucks. <laughs> Actually, I think that is one of the lines. Whenever life yeah, gets so. you down, Mrs. Brown. <laughs> Dude, Monty Python, I was watching the uh, Holy Grail the other day. Uh-huh. My Python holds up. Yes, it does. It's just weirdness, but they go for like so many bits. It's, yeah. it's every scene is packed. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's just this rare, amazing mm-hmm. collection of people. Yeah. So if you where did I see this the other day? If you go, oh, I think somebody posted it on Facebook. If you go back and tell eighteen-year-old Cantwell, yeah, three words. What would you go with? Don't get married. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I said uh, start doing comedy. But uh, what I really wanted to put was um, invest in Facebook. Can you imagine? Because I was, when I was 18, mm-hmm. that was just before Facebook came out, I'm pretty sure. And if, thinking I wouldn't have any money to invest, but if... 18-year-old me would have figured out a way. I was very industrious back Started then. Started stealing from the Chinese guy? No, I would have gone, I would have gone around talking. Yeah, my, my boss, Stanley. <laughs> um, who, uh, but I would have figured it out, and I would have invested, and then I would have been, never had to work at a day in my life. Because if you invest in Facebook, you invested in like all these other, other companies. Ones, yeah. Yeah. They've been crushing it ever since they came out. Literally, very quickly, we're super wealthy. Yeah. But don't get married's a good one. Start doing stand up. What would you go with? I don't know. I'd have to think about that. <laughs> Take your time. You know, we'll come back. It's <laughs> <laughs> not actually going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, stop being Mormon. Would have been. Being Mormon. But what would even you- more powerful than don't get married? Because that's the reason oh, I got. Married. I know what it. I know. Eighteen year old me. Start taking Wellbutrin. I don't know what Wellbutrin is. Antidepressants. Oh. If I could, um, my life would have been so much different. Didn't maybe. exist then. It didn't? When did it come out? Uh, yeah, that was a couple years ago. Interesting. Something then. <laughs> then you'd been it totally was- fucked and you'd wasted <laughs> your three words. There was not Prozac then. Prozac came into being the 90s. Take antidepressants. Take antidepressants. Might be a better yeah. choice. Go yeah. take antidepressants. <laughs> yeah. That would have changed my life. I wonder if I... Uh, had said start doing stand up. If I it had been like a phase where I tried it out, I'm like, nah, not for me. What was I thinking, future me versus invest in Facebook? I would be mm. a completely different comic if I would have started at 18. You probably wouldn't have got that. See, that was my logic too. Because there's you would have developed, in, even if you struggled early on, like that's one thing, like, like Chappelle's, Seinfeld's, like, most of the legend, like legendary comics. There are some that are later in life, like your mm-hmm. danger fields, and but a lot of them got started really young, and it's like you don't know any different. And what plus when you're young, like I said, you don't have that weight of expectation, a weight of debt. You're you have a fresh start, and you can go move to a certain city and live on somebody's couch for a year, and just try to make it as a stand up. Nowadays, I mean, I'm, you know, I work, work a full-time job. It's like you can't dedicate hours upon hours to writing unless you want to cut out your YouTube time, which I can't do that. <laughs> Got to have my YouTube time. I feel you. It's just not YouTube for me. <laughs> <laughs>
So what brought you to Texas? Stand up. Stand up? So uh, I was a comic in Honolulu. Mm-hmm. And I had a Honolulu, sh- Texas. Honolulu, is there a Honolulu, Texas? <laughs> I'm sure there is. <laughs> in in Hawaii, and uh, Andrew Youngblood showed up. Really, at, really? showed up at my. Really he was traveling before. to Hawaii, and he just came in and introduced himself, and and he had a few friends with him. And he said, "Hey, you know, we're comics. Can we have some time?" And I said, "Like, absolutely." And they were funny, and uh, and then they thought I was funny, and then we got talking about uh, stand-up comedy and how much better it is in Texas, and I was feeling the smallness of Hawaii, and I was somebody in Hawaii. Like, I had an afternoon radio show Monday through Friday from 2 until 5 o'clock in the afternoon on this classic rock station called K-Rock, and it was just, you know, for an island that was a good perch on which to go get comedy gigs because any traveling comedian that came into town, they would come on my show mm-hmm, right. and, and I would get to spend a couple hours with them and hang out with them and interview, interview them. And they would inadvertently ask me to open for them, you know? And so I got to right from the fucking jump in stand, in stand-up comedy, got to open for really good comics in theaters. Damn. Which was, you know, great. But uh, I had recently warred with the radio station that I worked at. Uh, I They hired me initially uh, to kind of jazz up this afternoon radio show. The guy that was doing the radio show was this guy called the Dak Man. And his claim to fame. I hate this person already. Just <laughs> <laughs> he's a sweetheart. Was that? Yeah. Another water. Yeah. Got any alcohol? What do you got? Alcohol was. No. Yeah. I felt bad. That's okay. I don't need it. <laughs> no. How much time we got? This is this is a this is a bit of a story. Go for it. All right. So I get hired at this radio station because I'm a comedian. Yeah. And they have a guy that works for them called the Dak Man, and his he's a good broadcaster, but his claim to fame is is that he, at one point in his life, worked for Howard Stern. Worked with Howard Stern. Uh-huh. Name sounds familiar. Yeah, and so um, and and I guess his representation was was in the movie. Uh, 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 at, what, at what point yeah, in maybe. private parts yeah. uh, just a guy that Howard worked with in uh, I think it was Hartford I could be getting all these details wrong but uh, essentially his claim to fame was he was that guy and so he was like this he's been, still is this big deal on uh, on Hawaiian radio and he worked for this company there was this family owned company I want to say that the little guy but I'm just saying that the little guy compared to like the clear channels and the and the huge broadcasting giants out there. Mm-hmm. This family, this guy and his two sons were holding and his best friend were holding down the four. They had owned seventeen stations across yeah. the all the different islands, but they had a rock station, they had a country station, you know. And so and these guys were just fucking in the trenches all day long, just keeping the fucking lights on fighting clear channel. Mm-hmm. And um and they said, okay, well, we got this guy in the afternoon. Um, and we want you to just go on and you're going to be his wacky sidekick. And so we did that for a few weeks and they, and they were like, well, we, the listeners really think it's great when you make fun of him or make him mad. So do that a lot. And so 
I just started. Why does that sound so familiar? I know. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, uh, it's the owner and he knows the guy. So I figured that, you know, that he can take it. And, and so uh, I just start just being fucking merciless with this guy. And just, and he has a number of strange quirks to his personality, yeah. which as soon as we would start talking, it went from just the normal yucking it up about you know the next aerosmith song to me piping up with i know she's taking a lot of uh vitamin pills today what's the going on with the vitamin me just kind of interviewing him because he would bring a valise a leather valise that was full of costco sized vitamins that he had purchased at costco it'd be like zinc and vitamin b and just like and he had like a dozen of them in the satchel both of those right in my <laughs> but you keep them in your in your bathroom you don't yeah. carry them or everywhere you, you go don't take to work yes or if you're gonna I take literally them to work, have a bottle of zinc <laughs> and, and vitamin b on my desk i'll take a picture tomorrow <laughs> am i dak am i that who i am right now the man bless his heart so uh but he would bring he would probably carry to work i'm gonna be conservative and say 20 pounds of pills jesus and he he could have easily just put them like the day's worth in a little pill container yeah and he wouldn't take them the way the recommended daily he said oh it's good for you and he would he would grab them like you were going to grab like sweet tarts oh and put them in goodness. his mouth and chew them up dry oh. and tell me, no, they actually, they don't taste half bad. I'm just really used to it. And I was like, you're not supposed to take 11, right. 11 zinc tablets. Oh my God. I'm sorry. What medical school did you go to over yeah. here? So he would lecture me about, you know, the efficaciousness of taking enough pills to get full every day. Oh my God. And his kidneys must be destroyed. Exactly. And he would drink and he would bring with him. So he would show up. I would show up with like a, like a little thermos of water and he had an old, Ernest and Julio Gallo, Osti Spamonti, big old gallon glass thing. Like you, like, that had had wine in it at some point, but he'd washed it out and would dutifully fill it with water from his house, tap water from, I, not oh. filtered or anything, just tap water. So he carrying around the lowest common denominator of water everywhere he goes. <laughs> but he, it was full, and it, it must have weighed as much as a bowl. It must have weighed ten pounds. This is his way of working out. Carrying these yeah. vitamins and water. So he's carrying 30 pounds of gear. It's the only thing he would bring to work with him every day was his 20 pounds of pills and 10 pounds of water. The water, he would sip tiny little, just little, like, like, like little tiny little, just, and with a mouth just like what, full of white chalk and chalk in the corners of his mouth. God. And he would just sip this uh, water. And I was like, you're not even really, you don't even need to bring that much water. We've been here for three hours and you've like dropped the level on the Ernest and Julio Gallo bottle yeah. like an inch, you know, sipping these little baby sips between just mouthfuls of chewed up zinc tablets. Dude, this guy is a fucking genius at being able to annoy people. Yeah. It's just, it's just being, that is, I sound like the most obnoxious person to so, have to sit across. It uh, sounds like a bit like he's doing it just to get a reaction. Only 
eat, doesn't like any food, except for he likes Costco rotisserie chickens. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> whoa, whoa. So he goes Tissa there once a right. week, yeah. and he buys a giant cooler. He brings a giant cooler with him, and he buys 10 rotisserie chickens, and he fills this cooler with them, and he takes them home, and he puts them in his fridge, and that's the only thing, plant or animal, that he consumes besides the pills every day of his life. No vegetables. He doesn't like vegetables. He doesn't like salad. Is he this doesn't guy like married? Fruit. No. Well, that's not surprising. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I start I start talking to him about this stuff on the air, yeah. and he is not prepared for this scrutiny whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> he he rapidly comes unhinged, yeah. which is hysterical. Right. <laughs> and I am just, and he does not know that the owner put me up to this. Yeah. Uh, so he has no idea why I am suddenly being so ballsy to him because this is his show, goddammit. And why are you, when I tell you to shut the fuck up about my pills, I mean, that's none of people's business how many pills I take. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then as soon as the microphones would open back up again, I would, like, I got him, I convinced him that the way that people refer to uh, getting pussy was uh, and it was a radio friendly way so we should i thought that we should refer to it this way on the on the air because he he wanted to be edgy yeah but he didn't want to go to jail for violating the fcc so i said well we could make up the and he always wanted to make up this persona where he was getting chicks all the time which was with his pill breath the furthest thing ever <laughs> ever and he was always wet for some reason Ugh. anyway so uh, but he wanted to pr- to present this persona like he was good with the chick. So I said, well, what other comedians, the way we kind of refer to it is you're, you're out there strangling cats. <laughs> and so he's like, that's I, not a thing. You know what? I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> and so then it was just a game all day long of, so the first day, I just re- led him down this primrose path of st- talking about him going out in the middle of the night and strangling cats in the alley and strangling cats <laughs> in a parked car and strangling cats on the rooftop and, you know, and just seeing how many times I can work strangling cats and he starts start saying strangling cats. And he's like, and then he just, you know, a quick in between two records, he was like, time to go strangle some cats tonight, you know, <laughs> and it was just, it just became a fucking thing. And I thought for sure. At the end of the day, the jig's going to be up because he's going to go out and he's going to meet his other friends and they're going to say, hey, people don't say strangling cats. You're just coming off like a weirdo that's saying that you're going to go strangle cats. (laughs) (laughs) But he was such a misanthrope that he really didn't have that in his life. There's no sounding board. He would go home and eat his pills and sip his water and eat rotisserie chickens in front of reruns of the Carson show (laughs) and didn't have any connection where people would bump him to him and say, what's he got you saying? So it went on day two, day three, day four, weeks deep into this. It's like caught on on the island. <laughs> the fact that he is, he does not know that we're talking about really strangling cats. And he clearly is not in on the joke. And then it's just people listening all day long to see when he's going to figure it the fuck out. And it goes months. And then we're sitting in a meeting and the ASPCA is going to be this they're buying all this advertising for their for their um for some kind of a a hospital that they wanted to build for for animals and we're all sitting in there and they're talking about the role where each of us are going to play in this promotion and they turn to us and they point at Roy and I and they say oh and you got to knock that shit out about strangling cats and 
everybody starts to laugh and Roy gets mad and he stands up and says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like, that's just a saying. We're not really talking about strangling cats. This is just something that the, the comedians say about being good with women. It's <laughs> the way he says it to this woman. And then when the owner stands up and says, you horse's ass, he's, there's no, there's not some fucking saying. He's got, he's playing you. And, tells him the joke in front of the in whole a and a staff meeting. <laughs> and he turns fucking purple. And there's like white chalk in the corner of his, of his mouth. And uh, he's like, I quit. Fuck you guys. I'm fucking out of here. Let him do the fucking show. And I quit. So he leaves. And so now it's my radio show. <laughs> And uh, he goes away for a while and he's mad, but they, they court him because he's a big part of the culture over there and he's very beloved. And so the owner courted him and was like, you know, what can we do? And he's like, well, I'm not working with that fucking asshole. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, how about if we give you the morning show, which is a far more prestigious yeah. uh, in radio. Like the morning show is doubly as important mm-hmm. as the afternoon show. Yeah. The afternoon show is the second most. And uh, so they said, okay, but you have to be funny, you know, because it's just, it has to be in the morning. So that was funny what you were doing with him. And if you won't go work with him, you can show us that you can work alone, but you have to be funny. He's like, no fucking problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> so his first morning, and I listened because he was not funny. He was not a funny guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his, his version of radio banter was he would just read in an extemporary way the, uh, the Wikipedia page about a band. And I was like, people can tell you're reading. It's like, no, people can't tell them reading. I was like, they fucking can, man. <laughs> and uh, so in the morning, what he did to be funny is he played an entire episode of the David Letterman show. What? what? Yeah. On radio? On the radio. And you don't realize until... Was he doing it to say a fuck you to the owner? No. He did it because even though he had been in the radio business for goddamn 40 years or some shit, he did not know that there would be some kind of a licensing problem with just playing a full episode that he had on VCR. You know, so... He played a classic episode of Letterman, which which you damn sure didn't run past Worldwide Pants or whoever owns that shit. Mm -hmm. And and you don't realize until you are only listening to the David Letterman show how much visual stuff there must be in the show because it would just be long periods of time where you would hear like drum rolls and the crowd laughing and David was clearly doing something funny on stage, but you couldn't and you couldn't uh, figure out what the fuck was going on. So the boss calls him in and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, you can't do that. You get us in all kinds of trouble. You can't, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, okay. I, go. I didn't know I couldn't do that. Cause, oh shit. He's used to having records playing most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Yeah. See, he, I'm thinking like, he goes from talk radio to talk radio. I'm like, oh wait, no, he, no, it, it was just records. That's and, right. But then, you know, our ratings went up a lot when we started being funny. Uh-huh. And so they wanted that for the morning show too. And they wanted, so, uh, so this day two, 
Does he write anything funny? Does no, that's he what he puts Leno funny? on. No, he puts on he puts on a full episode of the TV show Taxi. What? This guy's lost his mind. Like, These pills have fried his brain. Thinks, yes, thinks that like that's the point that there are. Oh, you don't have licensing with Worldwide Pants? Well, then let's try an old episode. Of- Jeez. Wait, that's not in the public domain and, yet. <laughs> and that does not hold up as an audio only program. Either. No, 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 no TV television show. really is going to hold up. Yeah, Sever Mr. Audio. Bean. <laughs> There's the stupidest thing Adam has said on this podcast. <laughs> oh, Rowan. That's hilarious. It would be great watching it. If you could only hear a Mr. Bean movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I was trying to think of what would be the literally the least applicable in this scenario. <laughs> That's a pretty like, good one. Mr. Bean. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Bean. Least amount of dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> Or like a, any like Tom and Jerry yeah. or any cartoon, but uh, we get the picture. <laughs> <laughs> what so a, day three is yeah, and uh, I can't remember what happened with day three. And then I quickly got into an argument. I had this sweetheart of an open mic. So mm-hmm. this open mic was in a this rich Scandinavian guy owned this really fancy Scandinavian furniture store, the kind of place where like that stool would be $6,000. Jeez. So he had built for no particular reason, like a theater that looked like it was like a Swedish soundstage Mm -hmm. in the middle of this fancy furniture store. And he would just like put on, you know, shows there. Mm hmm just to attract rich people to come and they would have to walk through this fancy showroom to get to the shows. And there was a really fancy wine bar outside of it. So they gave us $20,000 to do an open mic there. What? Yeah. Every, so imagine this. So for six, and it was for six months. So we said, well, let's try it for six months. You want 20? And I didn't know how much to ask for. So I just asked for $20,000. So I was brand fucking new in comedy. Mm-hmm. But I had a radio show so that it, it made it worth it. Mm-hmm to them and and then they would give us six hundred dollars worth of bar tab for the comics every night bar or food and it was just crazy fucking place so <laughs> it's suddenly the like super the hottest mic in, yeah. in the city sure and like famous people would come there like like because they film all these tv shows in hawaii and it was like this fancy restaurant and there was this cool comedy show and it was this thing to do you mm-hmm. know and um so it went really great for six months and then my my ratings were going up i had my own show and i had my own show for probably one ratings book and uh and then they decided that they were going to pull that show and because they wanted to raise the price on the fancy furniture store they didn't think twenty thousand dollars was nearly enough so uh they wanted to double it and the fancy furniture store was having none of it. And so, and uh, there had been a few incidences with, you know, comedians showing their ass a little bit of these. They didn't know how to behave at a nice place. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there was some stealing of furniture that went on and, you know, some fuckery. <laughs> but <clears throat> in the end, they, they ended up selling the open mic show to a bar that wanted it worse and was willing to pay more and advertise Dear more on God. the station. So... They sold this uh, open mic that I had um, for a zillion dollars, and of which none of the money came to me. Mm-hmm. But I had no say in it, so I had to close down this amazing show at this at this fancy 
um, furniture store and go hike it over to some karaoke fucking bar that wanted a, that wanted it worse, and it was just a step down bad. And so I refused to sign the piece of paper that said that they could that I would do it. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Well, you're suspended if you don't sign that piece of paper." And I said, "Well, then I quit." And that was it. That was it for. And then I moved to Hawaii. I moved to Houston. Houston. You miss doing radio? Um, yeah. Was that the best job you ever had? Like the most enjoyable job yes. you ever had? Yes. And I did it since 1984. You know, my dad got me. My dad got me into radio when I was 14, which was literally, <coughs> which was. As young as you can be, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and have an FCC license. You so. sounded like choked up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm talking for so long that I ran out of voice juice. <laughs> voice so, not sure it comes in juice form, but I was an insomniac mm-hmm. as a child, and would walk around in the in the uh, the town that little town that I grew up in, and out of curiosity, just wander into people's houses. <laughs> Now and, you sound and, like Richard Ramirez. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're the night stalker, and gotten you know gotten trouble for for just playing pranks on people in the middle of the night because I just could not sleep all night long, and I was in this sleepy Mormon town. Everybody in this town practically was my family member or lived next door to a family member, so I would just walk around and you know just to get the thrill of the adrenaline, mm-hmm. go see if somebody's door was open. And then that stopped being a, enough of a thrill, so I started opening the door and then closing it. And then that stopped being a thrill, so I started opening the door, stepping inside and closing it. And then I would dare myself just to see how long I could stand there in the darkness and listen to their family sleep. You know, Jesus Christ, <laughs> Richard Ramirez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then I figured out how to frame somebody for murder. Yeah. <laughs> and he got away with it. Now it he's in my apartment. So Texas. <laughs> <laughs> And then I started like seeing if I could dare myself to walk over next to their bed and stand over their Jeez, bed. Jesus, uh, stand over a sleeping yeah. person. adult. You know, Can it you was imagine all, waking it was, up to that. They would have killed me or shot me. And this is Utah, where everybody has guns, right? Yeah. But it, because it was so scary, and I would never choose. I would only choose to walk up and stare at the dad while he slept, <laughs> because that's the scariest, you know. Yeah. And that's where the danger is going to come from. Yeah. The fact that I had to go to school with these kids, you know, it was just like yeah. everybody I knew I had walked into their house while they were sleeping <laughs> and listened to their family. They were, but they were favorites because they were like meaner kind of dads. And so it was scarier. And I was really chasing that adrenaline. And this happened over years, like slowly from the time that I was probably eight, it started What? until that time. And it happened until I was probably 14 when I got caught. You got oh, ca- oh you got oh, caught. So listen to this. That's actually why am I surprised? Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm surprised you lasted that long. So there was this guy uh who had a had an 18 wheeler outside of his house and for some reason that was scary for me cuz he was a trucker. Right, that does sound scary. Yes. That's yeah. pretty high on the list of people I would not go into their houses. And when he would come home, I would go into their house while they and it's also scary because truckers you don't know when they're going to sleep. So I would watch and see their point. TV would go off and stuff like that. So you would literally stalk them? Yes, because I had nothing to do all day. but right, Crouch in a tree like Batman. And <laughs> <laughs> I'd snuck out of my house. My family was going to sleep till morning, and I had the evening to kill every, every single night. And so I would just wander around and watch people. 
and you notice patterns. And so I would go into his house and he always took his watch off and put it on his nightstand and his wedding ring off and put it in the center of his of his uh, watch. And that got my attention. I would just, you know, look at that sometimes. And then one time I took his ring. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. And then uh, fucking with this guy's life. <laughs> yeah. And let him tear the house apart and watched him like go out and root through his truck and oh just like, <laughs> and then just, oh and then waited for like, I think it was like, I could be wrong about this, but I think it was like two or three weeks later. I put the ring back. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> You're a fucking monster. Yeah. Yeah. And I would sit with glee and just imagine like his reaction. Linda, you know, the, about when, uh, when he discovered that his ring was back first missing, which would be one kind of thing. But yeah. it's like, I swear every night I take it off. I'm put it right in the middle of, you know what I do. You know, I imagined I just got hours of enjoyment imagining their conversation. And even more so when I put it back. And then even more so when a month or two later I took it again. Oh! <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I used to walk oh around goodness. in my bedroom with his ring on my thumb when I had it and just imagine him tearing his house apart <laughs> looking for this fucking ring. You traumatized. You like- <laughs> It's like, what's a warfare, a psychological yeah, warfare. warfare. And I made the mistake of telling my little brother, Mark, oh. which was a, and it was such a jarring thing to admit to. And I didn't realize the sco- for a scope of it, my brother, because he loved me. And thought, it's like, you're breaking into people's houses. We're Mormon, you know? And uh, so he was probably worried about my eternal soul Yeah, and told my parents and they were like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, you... Uh, if you can't sleep, you know, you read a book quietly or whatever. And so I tried just, but you just can't, it doesn't, there's it's no adrenaline. You're addicted to adrenaline yeah. at that point. So, uh, so I, I w- went into the house one more time and put it back. I, we agreed as a family that it would just be best not to tell them, you know? Yeah. So, oh, so you didn't, oh, cause you get caught, caught. No, in no. The act. I thought yeah, you, no. you got caught by yeah. some person no. you've got in their house. There was a trucker out there right now with a hell of a story. <laughs> <laughs> you guys think that's crazy? Email us yeah. at nocountrypodcast at gmail.com for more info. Trucker. Yeah. Trucker, yeah. Truckers listen to podcasts. I'll tell you boys a story. It happened in the early 80s over the span of about 18 yeah. months. <laughs> that guy definitely believes in like yeah. ghosts. Oh, yeah. And aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? That would be psychologically. Not breaking. Oh, it'd be troubling. Very It'd troubling. be extremely troubling. The fact that it left and then came back. And then left again. Then left again. And then, I would, and then came back. Yeah. I would have been divorced within a month. Yeah. Because I would have been, I would accuse somebody in my household. Yeah. Because I would never even you would think never that somebody the, would the come into your house. more expensive right. than just a simple gold band. So it just fucked with his head. I planned it out very carefully. <laughs> And I then my dad ha- was like, okay, the sitting quietly and reading is not, is not good. So, uh, uh, we're going to get you. I got caught pushing the car out of the garage with mm-hmm. the, the engine not running just so, so I could try to drive it down the street. And that was the last straw. So they said, okay, you're going to work at the radio station. So my dad had a job at this radio station and so he said, my son is an insomniac. You know, can you just please let him work the overnight shift? 
And so I would just go down there. My shift was from midnight until six o'clock in the morning. And then at six o'clock, I would, I would go home and shower and eat breakfast with my family and then go to high school. And then after, high, after school every day, I would go home and take a nap. And then I would wake up at about 11 o'clock at night and, and go to work. One of my parents would drop me off at work. And I would just be at the radio station all by myself. Can you imagine having a child that, 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 that did all this stuff? I feel like that, that's not, I mean, the, so I did, I got into a lot of shenanigans when I was younger, none of which I will admit to here to hear for, because yeah. I ain't no rat. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else involved knows who I'm talking, knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I feel like that's, there's to an extent there is a part of adolescence. I'm not sure if it's the same for men and women. I've only lived um, male perspective of it, but men as they're growing up, they do like insanely stupid stuff yeah. for a thrill. Yeah. So the, some of that's like to be expected from your kid. I, I so I'm trying to, like, if I'm going to have a kid, like I'm trying to, hopefully I'll be able to remember that. So I can put it into perspective. God knows your dad was not prepared for the shit that you <laughs> put him through. So this is like the average adolescence, but like a once in a lifetime. Once in a, you are once in a generational talent yeah. <laughs> of, of adolescence. I, I tried him for sure. What was his reaction to all this? He just took it in stride? No, he did not take it in stride. <laughs> he panicked. He was just, you know, it just, no, 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 no. You know? Yeah. How many siblings did you have? I was the oldest of four boys and then later on with another woman he had a he had my sister so there's five of us and uh he was going through a divorce at the time and people didn't know what to do with they just figured it was like they probably said amongst themselves that it was mental illness they never said that to me but i got four years of counseling you know twice a week going to a therapist and you know having them poke through the old brain but uh I was saying, you know, they just uh, debatable, overly debatable. curious. <laughs> but radio saved it. Jury's having up. something to do all night mm-hmm. long, which was very stimulating. And there, and I found that performing, just even just as simple as announcing records, was even more of a thrill than going into somebody's house. Mm-hmm. You know, and so th- discovering that a- element of yeah, you were going into hundreds of people's houses. <laughs> I mean, via the radio, hundreds of thousands. It was a giant radio station, and that you know there were lots of major freeways that intersected through our listening territory, and so you were literally literally talking to hundreds of thousands of people. Were you ever at all? Tempted to tell the the ring story on the air? No. God, what if this gets back? That'd be hilarious if we got back to not necessarily him. Well, first off, not going to happen. But like, if you did tell a story and you got like a massive audience, yeah, it would not un, not implausible. Yeah, I'd say it's probably likely it's going to get back to somebody who's like, you know, oh, I had so a, he's a, telling a that story. Yeah. It, there's there's somebody. You know, it's a small for sure. World. Everyone yeah. he knows, mm-hmm. he tells knows a version too. of this story. Yeah, and then. People, that's what I'm saying. It's not going to, like the, what was his name? Ted Kaczynski. Yeah. Yep. The manifesto is what got him caught. The yeah, story yeah. got out and then people are like, man, that sounds exactly like my brother or, or that sounds like your brother-in-law. Yeah. That's what that, it was his sister-in-law that caught him, right? It was his brother-in-law or sister? No, it was his brother's wife. Is okay. the one who's like, yeah. this is Ted. It was a family member. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. And his brother's like, ah, there's no way. She's like, yeah. no, you have to read this. And he's like, this is exactly what, the way he talks. Yeah. yeah. That's how he got caught. 
So this is going to be like, this might be your downfall. Tell us. Statue of limitations has <laughs> run out on it. Yo, for sure. Yeah, no. no. That's not what I'm worried about. It's this person who's probably living in a shack right now. They're probably dead. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I'm so old, you know? <laughs> you know, he's living on anger and spite for all this time. <laughs> this was 30, 35 to 38 years ago. Mm-hmm. Older that's, than you. Yeah. Barely. Barely. But yeah, radio. How do you remember all these? So I, I guess if I sat down and like really went back into the stories I have, which I need to do. Cause like a lot of comics I talk to, it's like you can, cause none of my comedy is based on real life. It's all made up to the extreme. Like there's not even, it's not even based on a story that Your is dog real. story. Isn't real. Ah, this guy, <laughs> my, most of my comedy is not real, you know, but, but that all of the stories that I tell, and because many of them are sad stories, if you tell them the way they really happened, the way I keep myself from crying or something, cause that did happen a few times in the early years when I would just go up and tell a story exactly how it happened. And I would be just high enough or just had enough beer in me to just get actually break down and weep a little bit. Um, the way I found to cure that was to change it, change it somehow. Mm-hmm. And that was also helpful because uh, when you do stand up comedy, you want you need to have the laughs be just boom, boom, right. boom. Everything you say and just and be, and be able to just pause the right amount of time, and then the next thing you say is going to be funny. And that's just a, a little bit too much hyper reality. You can't expect reality to keep up with that kind of expectation. Right, the laughs right. per minute, and so you, you gotta hype it, it up. Yeah, yeah, you hype it up. You punch it up. It starts with a true story. All of them start with a true story. Some of them are very close and some of them are, you know, but some of them, the most outlandish things that happen in it are probably uh, the things that are the most made up. Yeah. I Now, another thing, I struggle big time in memorizing my set, especially when I'm switching it out a lot. Yeah. That's because it's all based on fakeness. It's all, it's like memorizing uh, a book or a, a, a chapter of the Bible or whatever. It's like, this is, there's no root of reality in this. Now, if yeah. you have a couple of stories that are rooted in reality, you know these stories because you've lived this experience. So it's rock solid in your memory. Yeah. And then you add a couple of flares of color. And you all, all you get to remember now is those flares of color. Right. So I might need, I need to try this. And you've told them. Hey, here's the interesting thing is I've told those stories that way. A thousand times, some of them, mm-hmm. way more times than I ever re- relived the actual events. Mm-hmm. So it would be interesting to give me a lie detector test at some point about my stand-up stories because I fucking bet I could pass a lie detector test on the version of of my stories that I tell in stand-up, even though they're a lot, they're big lies. Yeah, it could be like burned into your brain. It just seems, it feels so real. Mm-hmm. I can see it. You know, I can see it the way I imagine that it happened because I've imagined it on stage so many times, uh-huh. and have and have all, and I almost never think about the way they really happened. How do, do you do a lot of? Do y'all do a lot of reminiscing in general. I'm more. I am so much more of a worry about the future type of person. I don't dwell on the past a lot. It could be your age, maybe. Yeah, I reminisce more than i used to but that's because of the tragedies that i've been through so there's a lot of things that will tie to previous things that have happened that remind me and so then it like brings back things and i start to think about it and go down a rabbit hole so tragedy is 
sticks with you longer, pops up longer. And I tend to not stories. worry about the future because I can't oh, do anything man. about it. Like I do my best to plan. <laughs> That's the plan, one thing you can do something but about my is the planning, future. I only plan out like two weeks in advance, really. Because I'm like, I can make it because... Get, living, get busy living or get ri- busy dying. What's that for? In, no, in my experience, like long term, like I have long term goals, mm-hmm. but like plans, I plan out the next couple of weeks and maybe like, oh, I'm going to go on this trip here in December or in next June or whatever. But I don't have these like lofty, huge concrete plans. I just, oh. like, okay, I'm going to do my best to get to this goal by roughly about this. Month. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not planning anything. I'm just stressing about it. Oh, I don't stress about the future. <laughs> Doing nothing to solve that problem. Yeah. I don't stress about the future after I met Enrique. Enrique? Yeah, that <laughs> son of a bitch. Did nothing for me, Enrique. Go fuck yourself. There's I no- brought you here. <laughs> Rotten son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm beyond saving, apparently. <laughs> I love Enrique. He knows. Oh, yeah, he's the it. best. He's solid. So I don't know know how deep we want to go into it. Enrique was on this podcast and we're talking about our dating lives. This guy freaking sets this guy up for success. Doesn't do jack shit for me. Yeah. Can't win. (laughs) And he made fun of me the whole time. Yeah, he did make fun of you the whole time. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like with your art. What do you, how do you feel about in comedy? So you did, you hosted a show. How do you feel about people fucking with the host? Or so I feel like if I'm on the on the show, the the duty is, and instead of any kind of comedy show, the duty is to make sure the audience is enjoying it, right? Okay. How do you feel about like when somebody's teasing, ribbing back and forth? Obviously, I, the way I feel about it is, if you're ribbing back and forth, as long as it's not malicious or person like trying to be mean spirited, if everyone's having a good time. You roll with the punch. I think the difference between a mic and a show is mm. that is the purpose at, at its essence, the purpose of what the show is. I think a show, the most important thing is that the audience enjoy their, mm-hmm. the time that they're having. I think, and I, I have caveats with that artistically, like you know, hack material and shit like that. So that's one that's one thing reason, but with a mic. The most important thing is not that the audience have a good time. The most important thing is that the uh, performers feel free mm-hmm. so that they can go and try new things. And if you're going to be savage with somebody and you want to p- see where the line is for that, I think at a mic, I think it's all the gloves are off. You could just literally just be as big of a douche. I mean, if that's just the theme of the night and you're just going to be an asshole to everybody. Mm-hmm. In a show, I don't know, is that a bit that he's working on? Is he trying Definitely to... Definitely not, because I'm not going to be at all these shows. He's just trying to be an asshole? Yeah. And that's it. No, it's like, when I have people on... So I'm a, I come from a gr- big group when I was growing up. Always had a big group of guy friends. And we were nonstop busting oh, yeah. balls. It's just like, it's, it never stopped. Dude, that was, and it was... We're constantly laughing, but and it was never taken personal. That's one thing I learned in comedy. So I was like, started doing comedy. I figured every group was like this. Everyone could take a joke, even if it was sometimes deeply personal. But it's like, we're buddies. I don't really mean this to make you go home and cry. This is just to get a laugh. And then I started getting into comedy and you start busting balls to somebody. A shocking number of people didn't take it well. Like they were like, "Whoa, do you hate me? What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I don't no. think I would like it." 
You don't think you could take a, a couple of jabs? I could take a couple, but I might not like doing it in front of a crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I've never done. I have purposely never done any of those. I got asked to debate. Um, I had not debate uh, to to roast roast battle somebody just because somebody didn't show one time, uh-huh. and I did it, but I didn't enjoy it, and I I went way too mean. You know, did just, you win? Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. That's how you win. It. That's one thing that I had a problem with. With speaking of roasting, and yeah, you had to go mean to win. So. I had a hard time doing that because I had because I was doing it against somebody I like I was friends with. Yeah, and that can be because roasting you really have you you can't just do jabbing and ribbing. You have to go mean like beyond mm. what some of that person would be cool with, right? And you, like that's the one fault of roasting uh, that exists is like you have to go so beyond because you have to shock people. Yeah, yeah. You can't just make them laugh. You have to shock them because they don't. It's not material. It's like you literally are going after the jugular. And I was roasting Lindsay Easterwood. <laughs> and, I roasted her and, once. And, just, <laughs> and she had written she had written jokes about some other comedian that she was supposed to roast that night. Uh-huh. And so I just wild card, you know, 60 seconds in. Mm-hmm. I noticed just became the guy that she was roasting. So she had no... She oh. just, her, I think her... Uh, her, I think if I remember correctly, her tact was, it was going to be funny just to do the, you know, the, the, the roast that she had written against Cornelius White or whoever the person was supposed to be. So, and that was funny on some levels, but I, because I had no notice, just went as fucking hard. Like your pussy stinks kind (laughs) of as hard as, cause I just, you know, okay, we're fighting. So. Uh, this just, is not helping the fact that I'm a we're somehow confused for each other all the time. <laughs> yeah. uh, I get confused for him. He but, confused uh, me. I felt really I, bad going, also going roasted that far. Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go that hard. Yeah, I just I did, I'd never really even probably seen a roast before. Mm-hmm. So they were just I just figured it was just going to be Lindsay's so nice too. So nice. <laughs> Pussy probably doesn't stink. No, none probably. Of my it's none of my business. Yeah. I hate that I was commenting on it. You know? But anyway, I won. I can be only one, Lindsay. That's right. Well, before we wrap it up, do you have any like shows coming up or social media or anything you want to plug? I've got. When does this come out? I've got. I'm headlining a Monday. show. This comes out Monday. Well, that fucks me because I'm headlining a show on <laughs> Saturday. Uh. So if you own a time travel device <laughs> on Monday when this comes out, travel back in time and come see me. No, travel back in time to when you were 18 tell you not to get fucking married. Yes. Then go to a show, well, don't show be that may or may not exist, but <laughs> don't still be, be happy. It would change everything. That's I would be right. an observational comedy right now yeah. because I would have started comedy way too soon. I would have never had any stories, and so I would have never... It would not be me. Butterfly effect. <laughs> That's another f- interesting thing to talk about. Yeah. So, any social media you want to, you're on or anything you want to plug? Or? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, on on Instagram, it's the Steve Cantwell, and on Twitter, it's my favorite Steve. Or or the other way around. I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> one of the two will work. Yep. <laughs> if you like this episode enough, you'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Google search me. You'll find. Yeah. Me. Yeah. <laughs> 
You'll also find murder. From yeah. Yeah. And you also find rings missing from your house. After yeah. you listen to this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you could call it on a rabbit hole with, if you listen to all the podcasts, all the stories that I've ever told on all the podcasts that I've ever done. That is in, that is an opus of a work. <laughs> yeah, definitely. If you hear this episode and you have a chance to go see Steve do stand up, go do it. He's the best storyteller in Houston. Thank you. And he had lived the most interesting life and, and just a, a good, uh, good all run hang for the local Houston listeners. Make sure to set your alarms at your house at night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lock your doors, get an alarm system. Yeah. You might, hell, just wake up randomly a couple of times during the night, just in case. Those shenanigans would have been short lived in the area of video cameras. Yeah. Oh yeah. Watch this creepy little shit that comes in and watches us sleep every night. Can you, I just, can, just, Waking up to that would, would be almost be as tragic as the ring situation. Oh. You just have this kid, this eight, twelve year old kid, yeah. just staring down at you. I would think that I like the devil was in my room. Like that's what I would affirm my faith. Oh, I'm like this is, this is yeah, this is not happening. To my knowledge, I've never had anyone come in my house, but I've heard people like jiggling the knob on my door. Why handle. aren't you telling a joke about this? To like you, I, you already have this a was joke what, right like two this. months ago no, at like no. three o'clock in the morning, and I'm like. I'm like, I think I'm hearing things. And Kat goes, no, you didn't hear that. That was someone trying to get in. I was like, what? Steve, are you going over to his apartment? Is that what's going on here? My, it all stemmed from my, I overheard my dad tell one of his friends that nobody in our town locked their doors, doors at night. Just that so. saying, that yeah, expression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I wonder if that's really true. And that was really true. It was most, you know, probably 70% of the people, their front door was unlocked. Damn. Their front door's unlocked right now. <laughs> yeah that's wild yeah yeah Yeah. well thank you very much i'm glad you survived you didn't get shot at some point so far so good Mm -hmm. follow us on or like us on facebook yeah check out check it out regularly facebook instagram twitter thank you steve it was a blast i really enjoyed it thank you i thought it was okay (laughs) <laughs> Adam never gets excited about the guests <laughs> You can just stop it Adam never gets excited That's true <laughs> Alright well thank you everybody for listening We'll see you all next week Bye Bye <laughs>